everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 152, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and YouTube. Uh, joining us as always, the crew, uh, the o- Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? Hey guys, what's going on? What is up? Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator. Seth, how are you? Uh, doing well, guys. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, Chaz, um, joining as always, uh, all-around content creator for Magic, but really focusing on the financial aspect of the game. Crazy weekend. <laughs> we had some snow games. We had some uh, awesome spoilers to talk about that happened after the podcast. So we're going to talk about them. Um, really fun. Uh, we got to see some promos, and we got to see the uh, Rivals of Ixalan uh, Planeswalker deck. Uh, well, the Planeswalkers themselves and some of the cards. Um, and that was spoiled or previewed on Polygon, I believe. So um, we have that and some fish mail to address. So let's just jump right in. Richard, uh, walk us through the Planeswalker cards for Rivals. Before we before we get to Rivals, I'll set us up for failure. Did anyone actually go to unstable release events? Because the general buzz is they were pretty awesome. and People really liked the set, but I personally did not uh, get a chance to go out there. I didn't make it, but I've heard almost all good things. It seems like people have really been having fun with the set, so that makes me happy, even though I didn't go myself. Yeah, uh, I've had a really busy schedule. Um, I actually really haven't even had time to even, um, like, check the pulse of anything. Um, Thursday, Thursday, hopefully the craziness... Well, the, the craziness will stop, but then, um, you know, holiday stuff is still very much <laughs> going on. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've heard really good things. I've heard that it's really fun. Um, I've heard that, um, you know, all the mechanics really meshed well together, and it was kind of, like one of the better drafts that like uh formats that we've had in, for a while and totally different from the other uh unsets that's that's what i've heard um i haven't heard like really really bad things about it so oh oh i know what i, I want to complain i'm gonna i'm gonna hijack this for a second i remember okay. what happened last week so last week watsy revealed that there are multiple variations of cards so during yes. spoiler season we had one version of cryptic command or very cryptic command Turns out there's like five or six of them, and there's a bunch of these. We have like multiple kill bots, uh, there's multiple secret bases, and the big news is Watsi apparently has no regards for anyone else because they all <laughs> use the same collector's number, they all have the same name, so all the vendors and all the websites, we're, we're all working together figuring out how to label these cards. And it, it was so ridiculous because people pre-ordered very cryptic command. And, you know, now what version do you get? Because there's eight of them. You know, if you <laughs> ordered a complete set of unstable, are you getting all the extra cards or not? And how do we even identify the cards? Do we call them A, B, C, D, E? Uh, do you do the, <laughs> the old school strip mine brackets, like open face strip mine tower where you kind of <laughs> describe the art? you use the artist name and they have the collector's number can they not just go you know 207a 207b c but they just decide that that's just a random field that has nothing to do with anything (laughs) and yeah i I was pretty peeved i was talking to you know card kingdom tcg player we're trying to figure out what to do Uh, eventually watsy released an article where they said internally 
we called them A, B, C, D, E, and so everyone's going to do that, but as a player, do you know what version E is? Like, no, and there's no way to identify that, so... So, Watsy, yeah, please, that, that think was... of the stores. <laughs> think of everyone else trying to use your cards. Like, have a way and to it... actually identify them, please. Yeah, and it wasn't just very cryptic command. Like, there was a lot of cards that had not one, but, like, four different versions. I know very cryptic command had five. There was, like, every thingamajig had at least five. Uh, ineffable in, blessing. Ineffable blessing had like four. Night of the kitchen yeah, sink had Night like of five. The sink. <laughs> so, uh, trust me, I, I went uh, through all. It was of them. crazy. <laughs> I added them all to the site, but <laughs> man, I love alternate art, but not like this one. See, give them distinct collectors' numbers, please. <laughs> they weren't even all d- different art. Like, yeah, that's the that's the big <laughs> problem. Is they're not they're all different cards. They just have the same name. So if it was just the art, it would be probably less of an issue, but. There's, like, some versions of Very Cryptic Command are way better than other versions, so it really matters that you're able to get the version you want if you're going to be playing with it. And that's probably why, folks, that the the silver-bordered cards will never be legal anywhere. The other (laughs) unstable thing I wanted to mention real quick is uh, the lands were a little bit uh, problematic if you're trying to play without sleeves. I know Rich Shea, uh, Doctor of Passwords, Rich Shea, wrote an article about it and posted a picture of it. And if you just have a have a handful of the lands from Unstable, you can tell what color they are from looking at the side of your mm. deck, basically. You can see the red, the blue, the black, the white. So mm. it'll be interesting. And then uh, one of the judges weighed in and said, even some sleeves won't be good enough. You got to make sure you have long sleeves that cover the top of the card all the way, or else you can still potentially see the color of the land, and that would wow. make your deck illegal. Wow. Um. Yeah, and in terms of uh, card stock, like I, I, from what I've heard, overall it was better, but there were still uh, some issues. I know we've been trying to like document that for the last few sets, uh, but from what I, my understanding is, is that it's getting better, but it still has its issues. And um, speaking of the land, Seth, there was also something else that the uh, the bottom. I know it it might not be a huge deal for a lot of folks, but. Um, it is kind of a little awkward that the bottom border is like asymmetrical. I don't know if it's just the lands or the entire set, but you know that like little border on the bottom, like where yeah, the one side is like higher than the other. Yeah, it's very it's <laughs> asymmetrical. So I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, you don't really notice it until you see the lands set next up against to each, each other, other, right? And then you're like, oh wow, this doesn't line up, which is funny. I don't know. That seems strange to me. Like, just why wouldn't it line up? I don't know what the upside is of making it asymmetrical there. Maybe it's yeah. just, like, unstable and it's on flavor. Like, haha, <laughs> even our design is unstable. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a hard sell, but sure. <laughs> like, at least keep the border the same. But, yeah, so... Um, what do you guys... What do you guys think of Urza? We got our peak at Urza, and he basically has, like, every Planeswalker <laughs> ability ever. Yeah, it's basically roll a die and get a random planeswalker ability, which I I don't know. For Urza, that that seems a, just for me, um, and I don't even know a lot about the story. But f- from my understanding, Urza is like one of the most powerful characters in the game. To not have like its own abilities and just like a random roulette roulette of of other planeswalker abilities just kind of seems like a cop out. I do like that there's 20 for each ability, so I think the proxy guy actually printed up, like, some tokens where you could 
play Urza offline because you just have uh, one of each ability, you roll a 20-sided die and get an ability. So I feel a little better about it knowing that it seems like it was implemented in a way where with a bit of extra work, you can play Urza without an internet connection or you can play it five years from now once Wizard stops supporting the, the website. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chaz. It was a cop-out. <laughs> they, ha- they had a chance to make an unset planeswalker and then we get this and i i don't like it i it it's hearthstone man it, it should have done something crazy and cool in the spirit of unsets but it just does normal abilities that's just random so i don't like it at all and i'm not hyped for this urza card and I'm kind of bummed they use Urza's name here. They're, they're kind of diluting the most powerful Planeswalker ever with this. So, so boo, boo. Leave Urza out of this if you're not going to give him a good card. <laughs> um, um, yeah, uh, actually, before we even get into the... the uh, I totally forgot, so it's good that you <laughs> derailed... <laughs> we got derailed by this. Um, so I just wanted to make um, a quick note here that uh we discussed that the podcast will also be taking a two-week hiatus for the holidays um you know just taking the time to um have a break um spend time with family uh we hope you all do the same we hope you all uh have um the time to do that but yeah so the podcast will be back the week of the first, but we might not actually cast on the first, so we're still working out that time. But uh, so for the next two weeks, we will be taking um, a hiatus, um, and yeah, just for for the holiday season. So yeah, before I forgot to even announce that. Um, so yeah, uh, but all things aside, for unstable, I think overall it was fun. I think people enjoyed it. There were some issues, uh, like we addressed. Um, and hopefully the cardstock is getting better, and hopefully those those weird uh, little um, hiccups in terms of the border on the cards doesn't continue. And uh, yeah, the sorry for you guys to have to deal with the multiple printings of some of these cards. I mean, it's kind of nuts. All right, uh, actual cards that are real. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the Rivals of Ixalan uh, cards from the Planeswalker deck, and then we were also shown some promos. In Watsy fashion, you know, just before the release of Unstable, it's the best time to drop spoilers for the new set. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rivals of Ixalan releases next year. We got all of the Planeswalker deck cards. So, these are the, the decks for beginners that are legal and standard, but they're not actually openable in booster packs. They just come in the Planeswalker decks. Uh, and we'll start off with Vraska Scheming Gorgon. Four black black legendary planeswalker Vraska, five starting loyalty, plus two creatures you control get plus one plus zero until end of turn, minus three destroy target creature, minus ten until end of turn creatures you control gain death touch, and whenever this creature deals damage to an opponent, that player loses the game. This might be one of the worst Planeswalker deck Planeswalkers, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what? Like, I'm pretty forgiving of Planeswalker deck Planeswalkers, and this one what? seems really bad to me. This the is plus the best is, one. That does so little. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this, okay, it may be bad, like, I'll, I'll, I can see the argument there, but this feels more like Vraska than the one in Ixalan. <sighs> does it? 
Like Vraska's all about like killing creatures and killing opponents, and you know, with, with it's a gorgon. She's a gorgon. Like yeah, well, Vraska's a gorgon. Doesn't it's all about the death stare that, and it kills not about making two, two pirates to with one. menace. Like what is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, right, here's the situation. Yeah. Imagine I'm playing. I I, I don't know. Uh, oh, what what are those? Thalid. I'm playing Thalid Tribal, okay, in EDH. I got a doubling season. <laughs> I slam a Vraska, minus tenor, and just alpha strike everyone. And if anything hits There's you, you're dead. One thing I've learned about Planeswalker, if you... <laughs> that's, this I've, this I've, is like, it's actually uh, useful in Commander. Like, <laughs> it's good. I used to like this argument, but I've come to realize that if you, you have to say, if I have a doubling season out before you explain why the Planeswalker is good, I just immediately tune out your argument. Because that's true of literally every Planeswalker ever printed in Magic. Ask Jace Cutting Castaway. <laughs> I think I'd actually still have Jace Cutting Castaway. I, I like this card. I mean, it's obviously garbage for standard, okay? It's not, it's not meant for standard, but it actually has applications outside of standard. And I think it's fine. It's a very Vraska ability, right? Like, you know, everyone remembers the original Vraska with the assassins and everything. And I, I like yeah, the Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's very Vraska. Yeah, it is a good callback. That's what, yeah, Vraska's a Gorgon. Like, this actually has abilities that relate to the character. That Not, like, the, the, the six mana one in Ixalan made no sense. I thought those abilities related. It's still like put an opponent to one. It blew up a creature. I think it's still. I guess I don't know. I, mean, I, I guess she's like a pirate. Thing thing you're getting it, stuck you know, on. Okay, Rask but, is a pirate but we're all passing now, so for standard, right? Seth's not going to say this could work in standard somehow, or no? <sighs> no, I'm saving that for the other Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker we're about to talk about. <laughs> all right, all right. Coming in with the most original name ever, we got Angrath Minotaur Pirate. <laughs> Four black red legendary planeswalker Angrath, five starting loyalty, plus two. Uh, Angrath deals one damage to target opponent and each creature that player controls. Minus three, return target pirate card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Minus eleven, destroy all creatures target opponent controls. Angrath deals damage to that player equal to their total power. If one of these planeswalkers could be standard playable, I think it's Angrath. Just because the plus one, imagine, like, this is a long shot, admittedly, imagine a world where energy gets banned, and all of a sudden, the token decks are the best deck in standard. Playing this and just plus twoing it every turn, I don't know how the token decks ever beat that. And ever, ever, ever. It's so good against certain archetypes. So if we get like a Lingering Souls in standard, if the Anointed Procession hidden stockpile decks become really powerful, I could actually imagine playing Angrath in some sort of like Grixis mid-range with some hostage takers to reanimate and having it be really good in those matchups. I, I agree. Uh, and I know, like this, it's kind of crazy how one planeswalker <laughs> could be on one end of the spectrum, and Angrath is pretty close to being a legitimate uh, planeswalker card for standard. I mean, I don't even think you need to wait for energy to be banned, right? Like, and that's a debate in and of itself. But let's just say, for argument, like everything remains the same. I mean, I think tokens are enough that you could. This is. It's enough of an uh, a reason to play this like as a one or a two of it in your sideboard if your meta is is kind of riddled with token decks because we because I I agree Seth 
if that comes online as a plus two, I, I really don't know how the deck stops that. Right, you, got, yeah, you guys are crazy. So <laughs> uh, six mana Planeswalker. It has to be a pirate deck so you can actually use its minus three. There's no way this will see standard. Even if... No, it doesn't have to be a pirate deck. You just throw Hostage Taker in there and you're fine. <laughs> you play Arcane Adaptation so you can reanimate anything. If we yeah. go from a world maybe of energy maybe like a re- to a world where Angrath Minotaur Pirate is suddenly <laughs> top tier tech, I'm going to be very <laughs> hey. scared. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't think it's playable now. I will say that. I haven't seen... I think tokens have declined, at least from what I've seen. So yeah, I don't feel like the metagame like, yeah. right now, I would play this in the sideboard. But it doesn't take that many steps for me to see a metagame where this was playable. So is this the most playable Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker, we've seen so far? <sighs> no. I think it's I, I think it's the... Lisa? What's that? The Ixalan one? The Jace... It might be the six mana Jace, just because people have actually played that. Yeah, <laughs> they like legitimately played that card. All right, well, we'll move on to the two rares. We'll skip the other cards <laughs> in case you're wondering how to tutor these up. We got Vraska Scorn, two black black sorcery. Target opponent loses four life. You may search your library and/or graveyard for a card named Vraska Scheming Gorgon. Reveal it. Put it in your hand. If you search your library, shuffle four four mana. Lose four life to Nevraska. Gosh, Nevraska got the worst end of every single aspect of these planeswalkers. Yeah, you know, I know we're going to talk about the other one here in a second, but both of these are bad. All right, these these have to be the worst tutors. Angrath, I think Angrath's one is good. Three black what? red sorcery destroy target creature. Angrath's fury deals three damage to target player. Uh, you know, tutor up Angrath from your library or graveyard. That's like Angrath's Fury kind of is usable. like unlicensed disintegration that costs two more mana, which obviously. But you get a Planeswalker, you get to draw a card, and that oh, card only, is Angrath. It's only one more. <laughs> it's only one more. No, no, it's it's, it's two five more than total. unlicensed disintegration. Oh, unlicensed disintegration, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, you don't need an artifact, but it's sorcery, <sighs> and you get the tutor Angrath for some reason. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. I think this is way better than Vraska's Corn. Oh, it's yeah, way better than Brass of Scorn. I feel like these two this. are. I feel like these two were pretty weak in terms of the tutor cards, but I can't remember all the two. Like the the Hour of Devastation ones, I felt like were pretty good. Um, I can't remember some of the other ones off the top of my head, but it feels like these might be the worst. I don't. I actually think Angra's Fury is. I mean, it's not playable. It's five mana removal, which isn't something standard decks are screaming for, but it <laughs> doesn't seem that bad. Like, it still kills anything and does damage. The downside is it means you actually have to be playing Angras in your deck <laughs> to make it worth Why that. Why would no, be You just that? play this. You don't play the Angras. You just play this. Fail to find. <laughs> <laughs> it's for flavor purposes, Seth. Come on. The only thing I like about the two now, th- this is just true of all the tutor cards in these in these decks that they tutor um, any planeswalker with the subtext Angrath. So I'm assuming there's going to be an Angrath version in. No, no, no. Life. You have to tutor so, the exact. That's one. not actually true, though. It you says their specific the name. Way. Yeah, it's it's Angrath Minotaur Pirate. Oh no! Really? I thought. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So you can't search up the good version. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta search oh, up the good version. I'm, like, I'm thinking of the. Uh, I'm think. Um, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the. Um, wait, the the creature. 
that gets like buffed. Yeah, those the creatures, the other yeah, the yeah, non-tutor yeah, yeah. cards refer to any Angrath or any I, I'm yeah. sorry about that. That I I yeah, that's what I meant. Which I actually still think like um Vraska's Conquistador is not that bad. Yeah, I mean if you have lots of Vraska, it's not that I don't worst. know why it's a vampire soldier, not a pirate. Wait, see, this is the I don't get it. We're getting to I the really ally don't. problem. <laughs> is it an ally? Yeah, is it a I don't soldier? understand. Like, is it a warrior? So wait a minute. So yeah. So Vraska makes pirates. Then wait. You, so you want to at least be playing pirates? Then Vraska's conquistador is not a pirate. Like, uh, I, I, I think uh, I think Vraska like I somehow left the pirating life because she's facing off against Angrith, who's very clearly a Minotaur pirate. So <laughs> we're gonna like, have to, I, we're think, gonna, I think something happens in Rivals where she's like, kidding guys, I'm not a pirate. I'm actually just fast. We're gonna have surprise. <laughs> we're gonna have to throw our hats into that great the new next planeswalker three or whatever that thing's called. We're gonna have to throw our hats in there because this is this is uh, <laughs> That's how we win the great the designer search. <laughs> whatever that thing is called. What is it what's the great what's designer the, uh, search the great designer? <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to throw our hats into that because I can't be having this this ally problem anymore. One's a vampire soldier, one's a pirate. Vraska makes pirates, but then you need this that I don't know anymore. I'm surprised there wasn't it's an over. unset card where it's like an ally warrior soldier <laughs> pirate <laughs> dinosaur. I mean, like Vraska Conquistador is actually not that bad. It's not a bad card if you have a Vraska. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's better than it's it's better than Vampire Champion. Yeah, or sw- it Swap is. Goblin. I, I, I still think Jace, the one with Jace is the best one so far. The buddy card? Uh, it might be. It that was just a straight is. up like two mana like 2 3 or something 3 That's 4. That's what a 2 3 unblockable if you have a yeah. Jace, I think. That's like really good. I'm still surprised that has not seen play with the 3 mana Jace, but all right, moving on to cards that could actually be standard playable. <laughs> we got the Rivals of Ixalan promos today, and the booster art, and the uh, you know all the sealed products packaging. Uh, so, to no one's surprise, we have Evolving Wilds. It's come back for the 18th billionth time. Uh, new art, right? This is new art. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember I what mean, all the Evolving Wilds. It's a card that should just like. always be in standard. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Captain's Hook. So, it's an artifact equipment. Uh, three generic mana. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero. Has menace and is a pirate in addition to its other types. Whenever Captain's Hook becomes unattached from a permanent, destroy that permanent. Equip one. So, this card is funny <laughs> because it was spoiled... Like, half the card was spoiled without the mana cost, and when I saw it, based on the abilities and equip cost, I said that if it was one or two mana, I thought it could be constructed playable, but now that we know it's three mana, I think it's just a little too expensive for what it does. Like, I wanted it to be kind of in, like a pirate bone splinter, but at three mana casting cost, it's even more expensive than, like... Dark Steel Axe, so I think it's just not good enough, especially with the downside that if your opponent kills Captain's Hook with a whatever artifact removal spell, which does see play in standard, you also lose your creatures, so I think it needed to be two mana or less to really be playable. Yeah, and even then, it might not even be playable. 
But I think it's, like, a fun casual card. Like, if you're trying to build Pirate Tribal, this gives you an equipment. Pirates do need more support, I think, if you're going to be able to build commander decks and stuff. So I'm, like, fine with it existing, especially since Wizards hasn't printed new equi- good equipment since, like, New Phyrexia, so I'm not expecting sure. <laughs> much. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think there's any way it's standard playable. I'm fine with a lot of cards existing. I'm just not going to acknowledge that they're good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think its only role is to be in my Peter Pan deck, I think. I, I, <laughs> It's what no, because what do I don't even. Why would you even want it in that deck? <laughs> it, it gives menace, I and, guess. but menace. It gives it menace. I think the point is it makes it a pirate. But are you really gonna? If you're that reliant on pirate synergies, are you gonna risk running non-pirates? Like I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem worth it. Uh, I wish it did something else for pirates. Like maybe gave all pirates plus one plus one or something like that. But. It just makes you a pirate, and chances are, if that's relevant, all your creatures are already pirates. So, so does having a hook for a hand just automatically make you a pirate? Is that what this card yeah, is saying? Can, can you have a hook hand and not be a pirate? Yeah, but my uh, the other question like is a snake is, thing on it, you know, like. <laughs> but you have to be menacing. Getting, <laughs> but when you get the hook hand removed, do you wait? Why do you instantly die? Because, because you're going to bleed That's to death, it. Chaz. They cut off your hand to put the hook there. And then oh, when they take no. the hook off, you no longer have a hand. You're going to you're gonna die from blood loss. That's I, I just don't lore. think plus 2, plus 0, oh, and Menace is, a, is enough for me to want my creature to die if they braid this. For yeah, and that's such a random downside. Like, make... Was that necessary? <laughs> like, did you really need to kill the creature? Like, I get it for the other cards, like like the ogre, like some of the battle axes that give it like plus 4, plus 0 oh, or something, or some crazy ability, but this doesn't seem like enough to warrant it dying for this. I do like that it will help me build my eventual Arrested Development Commander deck, which is one of my long-term Commander goals. <laughs> so so it's an essential piece to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. Last card. All right. We have Brass's Bounty. Six in a red. Sorcery. For each land you control, create a colorless treasure artifact token. With tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. I actually like this card. I actually think this can be pretty strong um, in the right scenarios. Um, now, it's definitely a build-around card. I don't think you just play Brass's Bounty just straight up. But it, it does do some pretty crazy stuff with cards like Marionette Master or um, we were talking about pre-show. What was the other card? It was like the Enchantment. Uh, oh yeah, Revel in Riches. Revel in Riches. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, when I first saw this card, I was kind of meh on it. It felt like the red version of Boundless Realms. I think the card is that sees Commander play. It's like seven mana and gets you a land for each land you have. But when I thought about Anointed Processions, Marionette Masters, Primal Amulet to double it up, there are ways that if you can get up to seven lands that this can just, like, double your mana until uh, forever, basically, because they're treasures, so you don't actually have to use it that turn, or you can kind of, like, storm off with it, use the new uh, Telerian Academy land, which this will help flip. So I'm excited for, like, some janky against the odd stuff with it. As far as it being, like, a tier card, though, seven mana is a lot. It's hard for me to imagine your opponent's playing team or energy, and you're like, ha-ha, my seven <laughs> mana sorcery that gives me treasures is going to solve this. But... <laughs> You could put. You could also play this with uh, the um, the Tezzeret. 
It's like almost like a kill card. What is yeah. it? What, I mean, it uh, seems like a combo piece. You can combo with Tezzeret. You can combo with, I don't know, mechanized production. You can combo with that EDH dragon that I can't remember the name of that we always talk about. So to me, it seems like an EDH combo oh, card that. where I'm just going to make a ton of tokens and abuse that somehow. Uh, throw in doubling season, you can go nuts. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know of any fair way to use this. I guess the fairest way would be Marionette Master, if you want to count that as fair. Uh, or, you know, like the Tezzeret draining ability or stuff like that. So I think this card is pretty interesting. I don't know about Standard, but I'm pretty sure we'll see this in Commander and other formats. Yeah. I don't I don't think ever in my life I thought I would be talking about that gate crash dragon as much as we did. <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> I don't even something tyrant. I can't yeah, something, even remember. I call the it name like the I'm Hobbit about... dragon. <laughs> the one that just hoards all the artifacts. <laughs> I don't remember uh, the name of it either. Hellkite Tyrant? Hell Hellkite that Tyrant, that's right. right. That's the one. Is that it? It's a mythic. Oh my It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. That's Trample. It's pretty sweet. Alright, so those are all of the cards we got. The actual actual spoilers will start, I think, in the new year. Or uh, if Wizards is feeling generous, maybe around Christmas time. But uh, the set doesn't actually drop until January 19th. Yeah. So we'll, we'll address those when we come back from our um, little hiatus slash vacation there. Uh, but... Yeah, some pretty cool drops there. Um, interesting cards. Uh, I'm, I'm really kind of... Angrath has me... Um, that's an interesting card design there. I, I, I hope the actual version of the card in the set is, is pretty sweet. because It does look like there's a version in there because it looks like there's a pack art with Angrath on it. So Yeah, that's mostly what I'm excited about because I feel like this Angrath is like good for a Planeswalker deck Planeswalker... And the Angrath from the sets almost has to be better than the Planeswalker deck one, so maybe it'll be really good. So I'm no, kind of I, excited to see what the pack version looks like of Angrath. I, I'm hopeful, but I'm expecting the, like, Ajani, Ajani thing going on. <laughs> Where you don't know, like, which one is even good, and they're undistinguishable. <laughs> but now you can have them both on the battlefield at once, so. You can. You, can, you definitely can. All right. Um, now that we talked about some sweet uh, Rivals of Ixalan cards, let's talk about some fish mail. All right. If you have questions, send them to the hashtag MDGFishMail on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions. So first question, Moomoo Marley. I just learned that slow fetch lines exist. How good slash bad are they? Should they be reprinted in standard? What are slow fetch lines? They, they come into play tapped? Is that what they are? Yeah. yeah, no, they, they were from like wait. Mirage, weren't they? They were from Mirage. Do they come into play tapped, or yeah, do they, they do. Yeah, search they up do. the land tapped? Okay, uh, they're fine as like budget commander cards. As far as standard, I don't think they're very good because you still have all the shuffling and slowness issues, yeah. but you're not reprinting expensive cards and like getting that benefit out of it. So I feel like they would be bad for standard. But I wouldn't mind having them, like, reprinted somewhere, like in a supplemental product or something. Yep. All right, next question. Nate Muzi. Customer uncard. Basic land. Land type basic. Take a selfie with this card and post to social media. Basic lands. Tap for X colorless mana. 
where x equal the number of likes your selfie received. Flavor text blessed, or hashtag blessed. <laughs> Uh, slightly unbalanced, <laughs> depending blessed. on your social media presence. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see the professor uh, play this. Thank you. I'll tap this for over 500 mana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it kind of cares about a weird thing, your popularity on social media. So it's, it's a cool idea, I guess. Yeah. It seems like it slows down the game a lot, because how long do you wait before tapping your lands to see how many likes you get? Hmm. <laughs> it's like uh hold on i need i need to take a bathroom break i'm not stalling just wait a second <laughs> let let it let people I, share I just need three more likes to cast my plate steal <laughs> all right next question mtg analytics open boosters made a video the other day suggesting that a couple cards from each new set be put on the reserve list what do you think about the strategy for increasing the value for new players this way new players can have valuable cards too all right, let me let me rant on this really quickly. Okay. So here's what happens if you put new cards on the reserve list. It doesn't help new players. It doesn't help anyone except speculators. That's the one person that helps. That's why you hear speculators, some small number of speculators suggest this. It just gives them a free target to buy out and to uh, do the same stuff we see going on with the reserve list going on. So I don't see how this actually helps anyone except really enfranchised uh, finance people who were involved in like the speculation buyout aspect of finance. That's my take, and I feel really strongly about that. But that is a horrible idea. I, I'm in the camp that it, it's it's a really con- it's like a very multifaceted thing. the The thing with me, ultimately, to keep a long story short, I, I don't think we should be adding cards to the reserve list. I actually don't even think the reserve list should exist at all. Uh, m- more mostly because. I think the game would be better overall if we could reprint cards like the Dual Lands. I think it would be a huge boon to Commander players and everyone else that would like to play these cards in their Commander deck but don't want to spend you know $350 for a single Underground Sea or something like that. So ultimately, I think it would be better. Uh but at the point, it is what it is. I just don't think it should be expanded at this point. And plus, there there is some credence to the quality of the card on the reserve list. Like, random cards on the reserve list, while, you know, there was this craziness going on a while back that, you know, all these random cards were getting bought out. The card still has to be somewhat playable and somewhat desirable, um, you know, for someone to pay X amount of money on that card. If you threw, like, Angrath Minotaur Pirate on there, like, I don't really know what that does for the card. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to agree with Seth. I, can't, I don't like the original reserve list to begin with. That's my personal opinion. And I don't see how this helps new players. Like, can you imagine the Mythics that cost 30 to $50 today, what their price would be if there was a reserve list and people knew they couldn't reprint them? They would be bought out and you'd be talking about like $200 for like a single card. So I don't see how that helps new players, and I don't even like the original reserve list. So, so eh. So I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't really like this idea. Uh, next question from Time Elemental, based on a tongue-in-cheek tweet the other day from Seth, saying he'd enter the Great Designer Search three. Do any of you aspire to join Wizards R and D? 
What did I call it? Great Planeswalker. <laughs> oh my next, goodness. The I world's didn't... next great planeswalker or something like that. <laughs> that sounds more like a reality show though, no? Yeah, I kinda wanna see that now. I want a planeswalker reality show. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is <laughs> I do think we should we should throw our hats in there because uh some of the stuff that goes on, like the even the tiniest thing, like making Vraska's conquistador not a pirate. I don't know. But it's w- like would you something. actually join R and D if R and D said, "Hey, Chaz, no. we're gonna we're gonna not, offer you not, a job"? Would, not would for an un- not for an unpaid internship. I'll tell you that much. Not for <laughs> an unpaid internship. <laughs> I'm not going out there for an internship. I'm past that. I don't think I would like it. Actually, I mean. I think I would miss doing what I do now. I think I have more fun building decks and interacting with the community. So I, I don't think I would enjoy being at R&D, being uh, NDA'd, so I couldn't talk about things, couldn't do streams. So I think that if I had to choose between doing what I'm doing now and going to R&D, I would choose doing what I'm doing now. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't I don't want to join Watsy and then work on it things like two years in the future and you can't talk about it and you're always all confused because you're working on alternate timelines and it just seems like a lot of work <laughs> and it, it is work you know just because it's magic cards doesn't suddenly make it fun you're still going to work so so i don't know i don't i don't know that i would take it but but i but i do wish that they would take our input for design stuff with allies and warriors and stuff like that. <laughs> that that's your one contribution. We'll, we'll go there, work for two months, quit, yes. and two years from now, <laughs> we'll finally be able to identify what these cards do and what they are. Yes. Has to be paid, though. Can't be doing this on internship. Can't stress that enough. <laughs> Actually, just so it's clear, I'm pretty sure that it's a paid internship. I don't know what that d- means or how what? much money it is, but if you win the great design search, yeah. I'm I'm Watsy almost 100 sure it's a paid famous six month paid Did they say paid rates. internship? Because if they did, then I apologize because I didn't really read that didn't jump out at me. All I saw was internship. No idea. I could be yeah. wrong though. If I'm wrong, that's fine. But I think it's actually like. Wizards normal hiring process from everyone that I've talked to and know is they normally hire people for like a six month contract and then decide after six months whether they want to like keep them for another contract or so I think that's the internship part basically you're getting a six month contract with wizards and then what happens after the six month would depend on how that six months went but it is paid I'm just going to double check while you guys are reading Crown and awarded a six-month internship position. Doesn't say. I don't know. No, it doesn't say paid. Depends how much they like you. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Next question. <laughs> DTX Stardust. Hope for a new set after Dominaria. Nissa wakes up on Lorwyn. We get a new Lorwyn set. Nissa learns about the dark side with the Lorwyn elves and becomes a green-black planeswalker. Would this be a cool set in your opinions? It would flesh out her character. You know what's actually... I think Nyssa was su- originally supposed to be like a green planeswalker that meddled in you know, dark magic. So it's kind of going to be a green-black planeswalker um, just from the beginning. From what I remember of the story until they finally kind of used Nyssa and fleshed out Nyssa and... Um, I, I think it would be great because um, I liked Lorwyn. 
I actually liked the lower one. I, I, I thought it was a little odd that we had this kind of super block, but I, I think to go back and devote maybe one or two sets to Lorwyn and or, you know, Shadowmore or whatever it is now, I, I think it was, like, changed or something. I wouldn't want it right away because I think it would probably be another tribal set, and we kind of yeah. have that with Ixalan, but I think in the future, a return to Lorwyn could be cool. Also, though, where are we at with Garrick? Is Garrick, like, our black green planeswalker now, or is Garrick dead? I'm actually not. It, isn't the last versions of Garrick black green? Yeah, yeah the last one was Apex, Apex Predator. Predator. I don't know what happened to Garrick. But is is that still, like, a character? Garrick? Can Garrick come back or something? Because if he's returning as our black green planeswalker. I don't know what's going on with it. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> uh, they pretty much, like, like retcon from my understanding. He's like gone. He's not doing a good job of finding her because she was definitely in shadows <laughs> over Innistrad, and Garrick was not. <laughs> yeah, maybe too many Golgari planeswalkers. I, I don't He's know. sleeping, I think. Also, Veraska, black green planeswalker. I wouldn't mind like a black green yeah. version of Nissa, but I don't think she should be a black green planeswalker going forward. Yeah. All right, next question. The Ryan game. So I just emulated PC on my Mac and finally got Moto. Should I buy my modern deck or did I show up late enough to see Arena kill Moto? Uh, modern, I think you got a long ways to go. So I would just play modern on Moto. I will yeah. say that, yeah, Mo- MTGO is not going to be gone anytime soon. Um, so if you love modern and you want to play modern a lot, um, yeah, then I think Moto's the best place to do that. It's gonna take it's it's gonna take some time for MTG Arena to um, first be released uh, and to 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 move along at a pace that it's going to you know be the premier you know digital platform and kind of kick MTGO to the curb. I mean, like, we gotta wait for Arena to get released, then we have to wait for Arena to be successful, then we gotta wait for people to start clamoring for Modern, then we gotta wait for Wizards to actually program Modern, so I think for Modern in specific, or Legacy or Vintage, you're pretty safe buying into Moto right now. I don't I don't think Arena's going backwards. So you don't think they're actually gonna to have Modern? modern you mean? Gonna be I don't think frontier. they'll ever have Modern on Arena. Yeah, it's going to be um, a new format. For sure. Then I think that they have really alluded to that because the future is pretty safe. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the. Uh, they had a couple Twitch streams, um, and this kind of this question came up again. And from my understanding, that it, it, Arena is not going to be going backwards; it's only going to be moving forward. So, to me, that sounds like they don't want modern on there. They kind of want front to. Well, we'll just use Frontier for now as a quotation mark, but a new format that MTG Arena is going to be exclusively kind of like unveiling on there. Kind I of like wild that, and standard. Kind of. I think that that means Moto is going to be around for a while then because Probably, there yeah. is like modern is really popular. Yeah. And if you literally can't play it on Arena, someone like me and other people that play modern more than they play standard 
are going to keep using Magic Online just because that's the only option to play their format. And the same for Vintage yeah. and Legacy. So maybe Moto would get smaller as Arena siphons off like standard players or limited players. Yeah. But I think it would continue to exist in some form to support those formats because there is like a dedicated player base for all those formats. Absolutely. So it's, I, and it's pretty big for Modern. Modern yeah. is really big right now. I do think that's where the two... Uh, they both end up. MTGO will be around for the eternal formats like modern, uh, vintage legacy, etc. And and uh, arena will be strictly for like standard, uh, limited. And this, what I'm assuming, is a new format. Yeah, I I think if arena doesn't crash and burn, regardless of what Watsi says today, modern and legacy, modern for sure, unless they kill modern in paper, will eventually be ported to arena. But that's like so far in the future, it's not even worth talking about. So for actually playing modern, I would buy into Moto like no hesitation. Like we're still far enough, even standard, I would still be buying into Moto right now. We're still a ways off and you can cash out later if you feel like it. So the, the only thing is, you know, if you don't want to play online at all, yeah, then don't do anything. <laughs> but if you want to play online, like, I wouldn't be worried about buying into Moto yeah. at this point. Yeah, oh, th- th- it's going to, yeah, it's still going to be a while. Um, and, and I think the way they want to do that is to release Arena with enough of a buffer. Like, they don't want to just release Arena with just Ixalan on it. Like, that doesn't, like, it's not going to work. So, my guess is the earliest we'll see Arena is when... Our or uh, Almonquet and Kaladesh block are gone, which would be next fall, like almost a, just under a year from now, yes. probably. That's that's my guess. The earliest we'll see it. Yeah, I think that's the time frame I've heard is for like a proper release, like in being out of beta, probably a year or two. So it could be this coming rotation in the fall, or probably longest would be the rotation after that. Yeah, or it could be like PUBG and just release in beta and people play it <laughs> stay in beta forever be beta for the rest of its life <laughs> all right next class was like that for a while the one okazaki i really like the in-play cycling mechanic from urza's destiny but it was never revisited what's your favorite underexplored mechanic from a past set slash block in place what is cycling. in play cycling i think like i think like you have my elder where it's like Pay two, oh. sack it, draw a card, and something happens. So basically, you're cycling with a yeah, permanent yeah, on the yeah. battlefield. Um, I mean, I love you having my elder. The card's amazing, but um, I I don't know if they actually turned that into a mechanic though. It wasn't like a keyworded mechanic. Yeah, but um, it was like it was basically cycling. I, I do think similar. it should come back at least once. You know. <laughs> At some point, if it hasn't already, but um, I, I don't know if they ever turn that to an actual keyword. Well, what, what's your favorite mechanic slash gameplay thing that you want back? Uh, for me, I think ninjutsu. Ninjutsu. Oh, ninjutsu so cool. is sweet, and it, it's I so love, I like ninjutsu a lot. It feels so ninja like. Like it's one of the few mechanics that actually feels like it represents the word that they use. So I actually really like ninjutsu, and I hope they bring it back. And then it actually makes existing ninjutsu cards better, too, so I really like that. Yeah. Ninjutsu was actually a really great mechanic. Like, th- I agree with you, Richard. It, it, it felt like this is a great mechanic for this tribe. Like, it works so well. Better than Menace. <laughs> this is actually hard. I'm actually not sure what mechanic I'd, I'd want to bring back. 
I'm gonna say epic. <laughs> That's probably a that was choice, pretty, pretty cool too. All Kamigawa mechanics. What it do was you know? super unique. It's really unique. Listen, everyone wants to trash on Kamigawa, but everyone secretly in their hearts wants to go back to Kamigawa and have a, a second Kamigawa. Kamigawa got a bad rap for no reason. There was a reason. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I mean, but it ruined everything, so... All right, all right. No uh, more Kamigawa talk. <laughs> We're not going there. Uh, Fiddler the no. Drum. How did Seth gloss over the SCG Invitational without breaking down Modern on the podcast? And which is more broken, Were Lantern or Storm? Still Storm. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think Lantern is a broken deck. It's probably an annoying deck for most people, but I don't think it's really broken. It's just obnoxious. Storm is a deck that it's it's pretty scary now. The newest versions of Storm, uh, I'm surprised how often I lose on turn three to those decks. I'm usually like, oh yeah, it's going to take them a little time. They got a Gifts Ungiven, and then they're just like, ah, play a Brawl, Ritual, 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 Past in Flames, you're dead. And I'm like, uh... Alright, next question. Eldros, Kandar, I made a lot of cards available to buy as singles. How often should I check my prices are in line with the market? So I'm assuming they're selling on some marketplace. So if you're selling like on eBay or something where you just set prices and have to do it all yourself, I guess for most cards, I would assume like weekly would be fine, maybe even less than that. But if it's like hot standard cards or hot modern cards where you're concerned about price changes, you probably want to do it more often. I'd say at least 24 hours you want to check. Now, if you have a huge inventory, um, doing that by yourself is is pretty tough. So on that, I would stick to what Seth said, just the, the kind of the hot commodities. Because, I mean, stuff like your playset of Dark Rituals that you're right. selling for $3 or something, like, odds of that doing anything crazy are pretty slim. But if you're selling uh, standard Mythics or even, like, hot modern cards, then you got to really be on top of it. All right, next question. Edie Vanta, I'm slowly building a modern deck, but still not sure which deck. Any cards I should prioritize? Should I buy Fetchlands and Shocklands first? I think that's a good place to start. Um, usually if you have the mana base, uh, that's like a good chunk of the battle. Um, so yeah, I think you're on the right track there. Yeah, I would choose your deck first and then start right. with the lands for that deck. Don't just buy all the lands because, well, there, there are a lot of lands. So just kind of narrow yeah. the deck you want first and then start building that deck as opposed to just buying generic staples across all of modern. I mean, none of those lands are bad to own, but Richard is right. Like, if if you're just buying, like, uh, windswept heats for, like, no reason, you want to be building towards something, which it sounds like you want to be doing. If you want to just play modern, owning fetches and shocks is probably the single most important thing, because you can build so many decks off of those mana bases. Uh, Just keep in mind that you can actually get by with a reasonable amount of decks with using just the cons fetches and not using the more expensive versions. So keep that in mind too. Even if you're playing like slightly less than optimally to play your windswept heath over like a marsh flats or something, a lot of times it's not really that big of a deal, especially when you're first building into the format. All right. Next question. Lordy Time Man 2890. I've seen a player cast Mizix's Mastery overloaded with both cruel and brilliant ultimatums in the graveyard, <laughs> and still lose. Oh, 
uh, in Commander. So do any of you have stories of games where you do something crazy in the game but still lose? Mm. Uh, I'm sure it's happened. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I can't either. I I have seen someone lose with Omniscience. Uh, that's, I didn't think was easy, but... <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to scour... I'm trying to... I can't, I can't, yeah, I have to I have to remember a, a game that I played. I haven't played in a I'm while, sure... so it's, like, quite hard to remember. I'm sure there's plenty of Against the Odds episodes where it's happened, but I can't think of, off the top of my head, a specific yeah. example at the moment. Alright. That is a crazy Mizex mastery, though. <laughs> Next question from Streakist. Isn't Watsy acknowledging the secondary market by setting MSRP at $10 on master sets while $4 on conspiracy or unsets? Shouldn't all 15 pieces of cardboard cost the same? Unsets even have foils. Um, yes and no. The way I think they framed master sets is that they are not normal sets. They're like specialty sets and I don't think it's because of the contents in the packs. It's mostly because this is a set that's first not norm like n- part of their normal set uh, release structure, even though you know pretty much is now. Uh, but um, that you, this is for like a they're only supposed to have gone to stores, and they were more of like a from the vault kind of thing. Whereas you know it's not just a basic set like Ixalan. But I mean, I, that has been that line has been blurred a little bit now with these cards going to Walmart and with master sets releasing all the time. Uh, I, that is a very good question. I think the foil in every pack thing could also be a justification for yeah. having a higher uh, higher MSRP. But I think the big thing is it has to be the cards within the pack have to be valued the same from Wizards' perspective. I think that that's, like, the sticking point that, like, separates Magic packs from some of the loot box controversy that's been going on in some places recently. So I think that's a bigger thing. They can't have different prices for individual cards, but I think selling an entire booster for a higher price is would still be acceptable. All right, next question. Kylie Meters, what is the crew's MTG... OTP. I love the Jace Vraska subplot in Ixalan, but Jace Rao will always be best ship in my heart. What is OTP? What does I'm this gonna mean? Google this. One What's true OTP? pairing. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, I like. Uh, I don't even know what this means, but I do like the Liliana Garrick subplot that goes on. And apparently Garrick just disappeared, so we don't know what happened with that. Uh, but I, I like I like how Garrick became a Black Planeswalker. And he's just chasing Liliana around the multiverse. I like that story. Yeah, I don't I don't, story I don't well know. Enough. Um, yeah, that's also the only part of the magic story that I know. <laughs> 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 Wait, I know I know there's something with Jason Liliana uh, too. I, once in a while I read stuff. Yeah. Liliana's I actually just involved in everything. Liliana actually kind of like female planeswalker apparently now because she's the only <laughs> one in like every story now. She's about to get kicked off and be replaced by someone. I think she's had too much, too much uh, main story going through her. Yeah, I I kind of like the older stories of like the Weatherlight and stuff like that. I I mean the planeswalker stories are cool, but I think it was a 
more interesting story when you didn't just have planeswalkers. I I I, I like the fact that what what they're doing with the planeswalkers is kind of turning them into this kind of superhero like MCU DCU kind of arc and that's that's all well and good but I think we've discussed this on the podcast before that I I kind of miss the blend of you do have the planeswalkers but you also have like some of the other individual you know individuals on the plane kind of storyline but for the record Chaz I hope they're not DCU but MCU Justice League please (laughs) Oh, please. don't, don't, just don't even get me started. Oh, please. That's a, that's another 50-minute podcast in and of itself. MCU, please. Hey, I like it all, but, I, you know, I, I get some of the criticisms, just, just a, a very quick rant, but, like, I, I, some of it is very <laughs> out there. Uh, I, I like it all, but, you know, some of the, I just, some of the arguments being made, it's, like, so very, very nitpick. And I, and I think people can, they should let themselves enjoy both of the universes, but for some reason they just don't want to. All I'm saying is some movie studios are ruining an entire franchise for generations that didn't get to read the original comics, and some studios are doing a pretty good job. I'm just going to put it at that. <laughs> you can choose which side is which. All right, Hash Brown Monster. <laughs> I, I just, I can't even... <laughs> If Seth, okay, real oh quick, God, real quick, here. very quickly. <laughs> How did this is this is my only rant of the whole like uh, MCU DCU thing is I don't even care about any of that. But how did Spider Man become the only like it feels like the only character that they can't get right? You have a whole entire '90s cartoon to go through where it was like pretty pretty good. It's okay, like Sony. it was. It was because Sony owned like, the rights for the first How did Spider-Man become movies? the one that like they can't get right? There's like seven movies, and they 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 can't stick to a single Peter Parker. They can't <laughs> stick to a single Spider-Man. They can't stick to a single enemy like or villain. Like, get it right. Same with X-Men. Just X-Men right. was pretty bad because yeah, because I, it's like, not Marvel. <sighs> Only Marvel Studios movies are good. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't like or care about any superheroes. Wow, Seth, you did not just say that. <laughs> so That's my only gripe is that about. Did how did they get Spider-Man Batman messed up? or Spider-Man or anything growing up? No, not really. What? Did you even watch Saturday morning cartoons? You monster. <laughs> Seth, was probably, <laughs> Seth was probably playing with Sarah Angels and Shivan Dragons instead of watching Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I was That's just my pronouncing things. <laughs> Most, I, I, I don't have any other problem other than that. Really, it's just like I don't know how Spider-Man became. I'm gonna say can't Suicide Squad and then Justice League, and <sighs> now, now I'm very skeptical. Batman vs Superman. I'm very skeptical of any DCU movie now. They, they've painted a reputation. Only Wonder Woman was really good, but that's been the exception. I liked. Man of Steel. I thought the Superman movies Man were Steel fine. Wonder bad. Woman was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman was fantastic. Um, the only, other, I mean, that's like pretty much the only two movies. So. Yeah. yeah, nothing else exists. <laughs> I didn't see it. They have like four movies. <laughs> <laughs> they have like four movies. So you know, they don't even have an Aquaman or a Flash. They're movie. coming. I don't They're coming. Even comment. They're coming. Yeah. Well, when I see it, I'll comment. But. <laughs> Alright, back to Fishmail. Hash Brown Monster. If Seth is probably better known as Saffron Olive, what are Chad and Richard's probably better known as names? 
Do you guys uh, even have nicknames? No. I like the friendly neighborhood green mage it's because you I'm the only one that sticks come up, up for green name. cards. And oh, probably one of the very few that think green is the best color in Magic. What? <laughs> green is the best color in Magic. Hey. Uh, green is definitely the best color. Probably by better far. known as Jank Tribal. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think I think the YouTube comments can tell me what I'm probably better known as. So leave a comment on Twitter or the YouTube comments or whatever, and come up with my nickname. Uh, next question: Zegel Z sixty eight. With modern season upon us and Watsy saying they won't shake up the meta, what are the odds that Lantern does good or worse? Wins that it gets something banned. What would that be? Faced it and lost with the Gideon emblem. Spellbomb. Um, I think if there was a banning, I think I would be looking towards Ancient Stirrings. I think Ancient Stirrings, uh, for a couple reasons, it hits Tron, it hits Lantern, and Wizards already has set the precedent that they are willing to ban any good cantrips in Modern. So I think that would be the card I would look at getting banned if something was going to get banned. Alright. Dusty No Hey, which pro player would you like to pick their brains regarding strategies and lines of play? Mine would be Shota Yasuoka or Sean McLaren. Those are two really good choices. Those are good uh, I'll go with Paulo. Uh, uh-huh. Beat you guys to it. Paulo is also a really good choice. LSV is a really good choice. Hmm. I don't know. I just want to play like Jank with Connolly Woods. I don't care about the other stuff. Just like <laughs> Brewers Battle. <laughs> Talk about our bad decks, not our good decks. <laughs> All right. Next question. Miguel is a map. What is a cheaper but somewhat competitive modern deck for someone who doesn't like red and is looking to get into the. Oh, match? no. Mono Green Red Stompy? is. One of the best budget colors, which makes it a little more challenging. I guess I would, I would just go with the something from a budget magic episode, but avoid the red decks. I think the martyr proc deck is actually a pretty decent one if you enjoy that play style and are trying to avoid red. So I might uh, might start there with mono white martyr proc. I can't believe I'm saying this, but isn't storm pretty cheap? <laughs> it is. It's cheap, but it's not like. I don't know. It depends on your definition of budget. It's cheap. It's definitely cheap for a tier deck. I, I mean, I, th- okay. The only reason I was bringing it up, um, red is still kind of a couple hundred, right? Or is this purely just budget? Because if that is, then if if it is, that's fine. But uh, they, they were just bringing up red, so and red is still kind of like a few hundred bucks. Well, I think they just meant the color red, oh, not okay. like okay. a specific red deck. Yeah, that's right. how I took it at least. No problem. Sorry about that. All right, next question. But yeah, definitely listen to Seth on that. Sandstorm846, what are y'all favorite green card not named Tarmogoyf? I love Autumn Willow because she's the only good card back when I started. Hashtag green mages for life. I love them all. That's not true, Chaz. What's your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have a favorite, but one that I I guess is is more of an old school card because Autumn Willow is awesome is... um, Willow Seder, because you just have this like bewildered, like looking Seder just in the middle of nowhere, like looking completely <laughs> lost. And I've always loved that card. 
I think I gotta go Elvish Visionary. Just, oh. it's not powerful, but it draws a card. It chump blocks for a turn. Oh no, no, it's Seder Wayfinder. That's, oh, that's, that's like an Elvish card. Visionary that draws me a land and puts stuff in my graveyard. Seder <laughs> Wayfinder is an amazing card. I love it so much. Such a great card. Does Death by Shaman count as a green card? Death by Shaman is pretty overpowered. <sighs> Death by Shaman's a planeswalker. I, I can take uh, <laughs> Tom's favorite, Kadama's Reach. That card is so good. I just can't I also like sca- playing with that in standard. Scavenging Ooze is... Yeah. Scavenging Ooze was a really good one, too. Oh, Scavenging Ooze is good, too. That's such a great card. I like Corsair of Crufix. Ooh, another good one. All green. I'm telling you, like I will argue with this on uh, for like 15 minutes straight, 20 minutes straight. Green is the best by far. It's always been the best. I, I don't think Just everyone will loves argue blue with cards, you. Even, but really, even the blue mages will say green is overpowered and has the best. Yeah. Card. So there you go. Just uh, more, no, the sooner you start no. accepting it, the better. What about when when you're playing Force of Will, Ancestral Recall, yeah, Time uh, of old well, cards? Seth, where was Green, green then? Sucks, but of new cards, <laughs> cards of standard yeah. era. What? That's true. I think Green used to be the worst color, and now it's the best color. Was it the worst? Green was in the first winning Pro Tour deck. <laughs> was that when Watsy everyone? They probably made everyone play five <laughs> colors just <laughs> to make a diverse <laughs> meta. <laughs> I don't remember, but it's like, there's uh, a lot of blue in your deck, yeah. but you don't actually have any fours. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wasn't it the one with trapdoor spider? Uh, oh, um, that was that was right. Hey, yeah, yeah, we I talked think, about this. And giant green, like it was the two. What was it? Giant spider. Hey, all I'm saying. It, that is widely held as the worst Pro Tour winning deck of all time. <laughs> Not that that should hey. dampen your spirits, but... <laughs> all right. Last uh, stretch here. Listen. Last stretch. Skylar H. How about a dual land that checks for color agreement with your commander and cannot be included in a deck with the original duel of same color combo? Could this be a budget option for casual players and won't be playable in Legacy or Vintage? I don't know about the second requirement. I think a duel that checks for the color of your commander is fine for, like, commander decks or something, but I don't know if I like the you-can't-play-original-duel rule. That seems kind of awkward yeah. to me. Yeah, I think some commander-only duel lands would be fine. I don't think anyone would be complaining about that. Uh, from Logan Loves Racing, what is your new favorite card that was released this year and most disappointing? Favorite card this year, I'm going to say Anointed Procession. That's a really good one. I like Death Gorge Scavenger. That card's really awesome. I like Hammer of Nizan. That's a good one, too. Ooh, I forgot about Commander decks. That card is so broken. Most disappointing. (laughs) It is so broken. Every time I play it, I feel like I'm winning. Oh, what's What's the the most most disappointing? disappointing? Was Arlen Cord this I'm going to say... Arlen Cord was not this year. I'm going to say Growing Rates of Itlamach. Really? Growing Rates of Itlamach was so hyped, and I have not ever seen anyone in all the games I've played of Standard or Modern ever cast Growing Rates of Itlamach. Not one single time. Yeah, that's probably up there. I'm going to say Jace Cunning Castaway. 
I know he's Ooh, bad. Shots fired, he was bad. Jazz. Shots but fired. I expected him to see As... more play than this. You know. <laughs> hey, I'll agree. I, I'm still just as shocked it's like as you are. Three man to play market. You gotta be able to do something, but nope. There's still time. <laughs> I still can't think. Like th- it blows my mind that like this this card is seeing no play. There's still time. I think I think the future will be bright. It might not be now. Definitely has some time to come around and be you know doing like make something of itself. All right, last question. Mike R. Wolf played Eldrazi Tron at the Grand Prix Oklahoma City Ooh. this weekend without Chalice and made day two top 200. Nice. Hey, congrats. I always thought Chalice was overrated. Congrats. Am I crazy? I think that Chalice is not overrated, but I feel like the metagame has shifted in a way where it's worse right now with like control decks being back near the top of the format, Tron decks being really popular, uh, the human deck having ether vial to not really care about Chalice. So I feel like the meta just isn't in a place. There's times when Chalice is insane and then there's times when it's not very good. And I think we're in one of the not very good times right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it definitely does not serve its purpose when the rest of the metagame is a lot of it is Tron. So it's kind of awkward. I remember back when Infect was the number one deck in Chalice. If you play Chalice on turn oh, one, yeah. there were so many decks. It beat Burn, it beat Infect, it beat like half of the, the top tier decks in Modern at one point. But we're not there anymore. All right, that's all our fish meal for this week. Thank you for everyone who sent them in. Uh, if you have a question, send them to the hashtag MTG Fish Meal on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions. All right, gentlemen, that is going to be about time. We went a little over, but that's okay. Um, hopefully everyone enjoys uh, the little bit of uh, longer podcast, but that's going to be it for this week. Uh, I hope you all have a awesome next two weeks. Uh, gentlemen, enjoy yourselves. Um, we will still be around somewhat, but uh, things are going to kind of be crazy. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be the MTG Goldfish crew signing out. Take care, everyone. See you uh, in a few weeks. <laughs>